Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Acts chapter two, uh, 19. We'll begin reading in verse number 8. I believe God has something to say. I know we took quite a bit of time there. I promise we won't be out late this morning. But this is the word of the Lord for today. Amen. Amen. Verse number 8. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them and he took disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and the Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, listen to this, heard the word of the Lord. And here's where we'll take our text. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Man, I like that verse of Scripture. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. We're going to talk for a few moments this morning on the subject entitled The Extraordinary Work. The Extraordinary Work. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for all that's happened. We thank you for the people within our church that love each other so much. We thank you for the points of connection. God, we thank you for the praise and worship that went forth today. We thank you for our pastor who is at Place for Life this morning, and we know there's an anointing on his life. God, we thank you for everybody you assigned to be in this room this morning and everybody who's watching online because it was by divine assignment. It wasn't by accident. And God, right now we ask for your anointing that we feel in this room to drop down in a heavy way. God, that it would touch somebody's heart, it would touch somebody's mind. God, somebody that walked in here burdened, God, that you would lift the burden this morning. God, you are an extraordinary God. You are no ordinary being, but you are extraordinary. And we ask you to do an extraordinary work this morning. God, even myself. God, I know I've studied. I know I prayed. I know I heard from you. But God, I yield to you even right now and ask you to speak through me today that somebody would hear a word that would give them revelation concerning their future. And God, that the word would go forth like a hammer and beat back every devil that tries to mess with us. We thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And we thank you that we are victorious and more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary that gave us the ultimate victory. We thank you for a testimony that we each have and we are overcomers as a result. And we ask you to have your way today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can you put your hands together one more time and lift up a shout of praise? Hallelujah. Look at somebody next to you and tell them the extraordinary work. And then you may be seated. 
God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. The Word of God is such a treasure of truth. And if we observe it the right way, at the right moments, God's moments, he'll drop a word on you that's for right then, that circumstance, that situation, that moment. It's full, it's rich, chocked full of these verses, of these proverbs, of psalms, of stories, of testimonies of uh, precepts that God has established for his kingdom. I fear for the church in our generation because I've never seen a more biblically illiterate generation than I do right now. People come to church uh, to satisfy their spiritual longing or to appease their conscience, but they don't leave and actually do the work that is required to be fruitful and multiply w within your purpose. We cry for purpose. We press for purpose. We call on God to call us, to save us, to heal us, to do something for us, but we don't actually walk it out. Found in the word are truths and revelation that can unlock destiny for your future. Within the Bible, just by casually reading, God could drop a bomb on your situation. You might be just casually reading about the woman caught with the issue of blood and how she went through all the doctors and all her money to try to find some kind of wholeness and healing. And you can identify with that because you've been dealing with an issue yourself that just wouldn't seem to leave you alone. And you spent money on it. You spent time on it. You spent professionals on it. And it's still you're still dealing with it. And all of a sudden you watch this lady get desperate and get down on her hands and knees and crawl her way to Jesus and she said within herself if I could just touch the hem of his garment I would be made whole and you watch it come to pass in her life and Jesus looks at her and says your faith daughter has made you whole and it encourages you to know that no matter what you're facing you might need to get down on your hands and your knees but if you can just get to Jesus you can find your wholeness. You can find your wholeness. Faith and miracles are always connected. Faith and miracles are always connected. We find this uh, truth to be shown to us or put on display because every time Jesus does a work, he either makes the statement makes a statement concerning faith, or he asks a question concerning faith. So if he's walking or he's sleeping in the back of a boat with his disciples and there is a turbulent storm and they wake him and he comes out and performs a miracle by bringing peace to the storm and calm to the waters, his response to his disciples is, where is your faith? As if to insinuate to them that if they had just exercised their own faith, they wouldn't have had to wake him up. 
Because whether the storm calmed or it did not calm, they had the sureness of knowing that they were going to reach the other side because Jesus was on their boat. I want to encourage you today. You might be going through a rocky, stormy time. And whether Jesus calms those waves or he does not calm those waves. If Jesus is on your boat, you're going to make it to the other side. And then sometimes he makes a statement concerning faith when he performs a miracle. You see the centurion come to Jesus. And the centurion comes to him and says, my servant is sick unto death. Now I am not worthy that you would come to my house and be under my roof because I know who you are. However, I am a man under authority myself. And if I say something, those under my authority have to do what I say. So, Lord Jesus, Master, Rabbi, if you'll just speak the word, I know my servant will be made whole. And Jesus looks around in amazement and he looks at his disciples and says, In all of Israel, I have not seen such great faith. There's four friends with a, with a, with a friend of theirs that has, uh, he's sick with the palsy. He can't, he can't function on his own. He's on a mat they, to the point that they have to carry him. And they just want to get him to Jesus because they care for their friend. And they want him to be made whole. And the only way that they believe that he can be made whole is if he can have an encounter with Jesus. Oh, for more friends that would look at their friends and say, if I can just get you to Jesus, I know you could be made whole. Oh, for more Christians that would have compassion on their work friends and their school friends and their family friends to get them to Jesus, they might see somebody made whole. They are so passionate about their friend that they rip up the roof and they drop him down because they can't get to Jesus. Man, that's some passion. That's some commitment. I have some really good friends. They better be in a really bad way. But they ripped up the roof. They dropped him in there. Jesus heals him. And he looks at him and he says, because of their faith, you are made whole. There's a connection between faith and miracles. There is a connection between faith and and miracles. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. The question is, is faith subjective or is it objective? In other words, let me say it a different way. Is faith, let's look at it like this. Was the woman with the issue of blood made whole because she believed it? Or because she believed in something? Is it subjective because she believed? Or is it because she believed in an object? It can't be because she just believed. Because she believed enough to spend all her money on all the professionals and was still stuck with the issue. But somewhere along the way, she heard about Jesus and so now the Bible tells us that she said within herself if I can just touch him so her faith was in Jesus and she knew if she could get to Jesus she would be made whole 
I simply submitted that to you to say it's not just a belief system that's going to fix you. It's not just uh, enough time saying it over and over and over again that you're going to manifest your miracle. My question that I pose to you this morning is what do you put your faith in? Far too many Christians have, uh, have faith in their faith. And they don't actually have faith in the one. My Bible says in Romans, I believe it's 10, 17, that faith uh, cometh by and hearing by the word of God. So to have faith, there has to be a word. She heard about Jesus, therefore it gave her faith. And what faith is, is more than a belief system. Faith is the action of belief. Faith without is There has to be a work that goes with faith for faith to be alive. Salvation is free. You can't earn it. You can't even earn the result of faith. But faith can't even go to work for you until you do something. Because faith without is dead. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So she had to hear something. She didn't just hear it. She received it. She believed it. And then she did something about it. Even if it meant getting on her hands and knees and crawling through a crowd, she was going to exercise faith because she needed a miracle. Now, in the same way, that faith and miracles are connected. Word and faith go hand in hand. Word and faith go hand in hand. There's always a correlation between what God says and what God does. If God said it, let me assure you, he's going to do it. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void or empty or, 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 or in pieces or empty or, or sucking in life. No, it won't show up like that, but it will accomplish what I please. And I like this part the best. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. There's always a correlation between what God says and what he does. The reason people have trouble with having faith in God is because you don't have any faith in anybody. Because there's so many folks in your life that let you down because they said something and they didn't do what they said. They built up your expectations only to let you down. You've had enough disappointments to have questions about anybody that you might put your faith in. But let me assure you of one thing. If God said it, he will do it. When God says he's going to do a thing, he always does what he says. There's a connection between what God says and what he does. It is not unusual for God to keep his word. It is, not un it is unusual if you've heard from God and you haven't seen it manifest yet. 
Those are called the waiting times. Those are called the times where we exercise faith. Because if what he said hasn't come to pass yet, that just means it's still coming down the line. This woman had to have an issue of blood for 12 years before it would be. It is not unusual for God to do what he says. Sometimes it takes time. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. God is not a man. That he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent or change his mind about it. Has he not said it? Will he not do it? Or has he spoken? And will he not make it good? The great thing about what God says is it always comes out at the end result as good. And we know that all things work together for the And he said, let there be light, and there was light, and he called it. And he made the land come forth, and he called it. And he made the fish of the sea, and he called it. And when he made man, he said, it is not good, because he needed a help meet. And then he brought a help meet, and then man said, oh, this is good. Because everything God does and everything he says, oh, wait, will he not make it good? Because that's who God is. That's who God is. God and his word are one and the same. God and his word are one and the same. How do we know this? Because his word became flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was God. If he says it, he is it. And God said of himself, I am the same And forevermore, that's right, he is the same. The great thing about God is his consistency. When God does something, when he is his whole existence, it's wrapped up in consistency. You can count on him. What we lack in this generation are consistent people, consistent partners, consistent Christians. The statistic says that if you're a faithful member of church, you attend once every three to six weeks. That's faithful. When I was growing up, that's called vagabond. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But that's what the... T- <laughs> that's what we, they called us. They called us heathens for not going to church. I missed church two weeks and I'm a vagabond? What the heck? What's going on? But seriously, when we were growing up, if we were gathering in the house of God, we were there. Didn't matter if it was to vacuum the floor, if it was to pray, or if it was to worship. It didn't matter what it was. Didn't matter if we had a special guest or or the guy in the back row was going to share his testimony. It didn't matter. We showed up if there was a gathering at the church house. There was consistency there. The problem was it got so ritualistic and heavy that everybody didn't feel the, the reverence of it anymore. There has to be a reverence that comes back to this house. Not just this house. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about God's house. I'm talking about God's house. When reverence comes back to God's house, that's when you're going to start seeing the miracles manifest again. That's when you're going to start seeing droves and floods of people coming to salvation. Because what's going to happen is the consistency of your life is going to be a testimony of the consistency of God's word at work in your life. And you're going to see people come to Jesus because they need that consistency in their life. 
Our God is a consistent God. Him and his word are one and the same. Him and his word are one and the same. It's through the fulfillment of God's promises in our life that he is made manifest in our lives. I'm going to say it again. It is through the fulfillment of his promises to us that he is made manifest in our life. People can see God when his promises are fulfilled for us. Acts 19.11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Now I have 15 minutes to go a long way. (laughs) So I'm going to try to to encapsulate this in a powerful way. That, that, that communicates what God wants to speak to his people. Now, I set all that up on purpose because God does miracles. God does miracles. Let me explain something. He's the only one who can do miracles. He's the only one who can. You know why we get scared to talk about miracles? Because we don't actually believe that they'll happen. Because we ain't seen them in so long. And the problem is we're naming miracles. We're we're isolating the box in which miracles fit. So if somebody cuts off their hand, their hand don't grow back, it ain't a miracle. If somebody is is laid out dead in their coffin right here and we can't lay hands on them and they get up out the coffin and walk down the street, then it ain't a miracle. It needs to be like that to be a miracle. I don't know about you, but I look back over my life and I see miracles on miracles on miracles on miracles. Most of the time, the miracles that God is performing in our life, we don't even know that he performed them because he protected us from that wreck we didn't get in. He protected us from that relationship we never got in. He protected us from that financial downfall that we were about to walk through. He protected us. I can't get no help in here. You want to know why? Because we feel entitled to that protection. We're not grateful for what he's doing. God is a God of miracles. He's a God of miracles. The extraordinary work. The extraordinary work. The extraordinary work. We're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about the person. We're going to talk about uh, the power. And we're going to talk about the purpose. And if I say those points, great. If I don't, just know that everything I say goes in that because we don't have a lot of time. <laughs> God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. I like this. Paul is teaching the church at Corinth when he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 right at the beginning of his teaching to them. He's writing them this letter. He says, brothers and sisters, verse 26, chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were. I like how, (laughs) I feel like this is how Pastor Rick talks to me sometimes. Uh, Brothers and sisters, think about how you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. (laughs) Not many were influential Not many of you were noble, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. 
I don't think he chose Paul on accident. Paul wasn't one of the 12. Paul had a story. This is the person that God chose in this moment. This is the person. He chose Paul. Paul had his own story. Some say Paul was the same age Jesus was. The difference between Paul and Jesus was Jesus never left a 100-mile radius. He was in a 100-mile radius, and that's where Jesus was. He never went outside that space. He was born right there in, in, in Bethlehem. That's where he was born. He was from Nazareth. We know Jesus' story. We know where he's from. But Paul was born in Tarsus. That's over in Turkey. But Paul was a Jew, so he was born to a Jewish family. What I'm trying to tell you is Paul had a story. Paul had a story. And all he knew was what he was raised on. That's all he knew. That's all he knew is what he was raised on. And so he, he knew that he had a commitment to God. That's what he knew. And so he grew up in that. He grew up in that. He did what every good son would do. He took on the trade of his dad, and he became a tent maker. We know that because you can look in Acts chapter 18 and verse 3, and you'll see that he was a tent maker. That was Paul's vocation before he was actually uh, 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 the, the, what we know as the Apostle Paul. He was a tent maker. And, and in that time, being a tent maker took some time. It took some work. It took toil with your hands. Like he knew how to do it. And, and later on, you'll learn about Paul that they said, uh, this is what theologians believe, that as he, you know, because his missionary travels were all over the world. And as he traveled the world, he would stop and he would set up shop and he would make tents and that's how he'd make his money to fund his missionary trips and do what he did. And, and it took time. And some say that was his most effective tool to spread the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is because he would stand there and he would work and he would talk and people were so interested to hear what he would say that as he built these tents, these coverings, he would teach about the greatest covering that there is and that's the blood of Jesus Christ and people would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus but his story didn't start there that was just part of it he was a he was a tent maker and he was committed to the Lord and so what he did was he grew in knowledge and stature and he studied the word and, and he became known as a Pharisee and we know about Pharisees because it was the Pharisees and Sadducees that crucified Jesus don't get it wrong it wasn't the Romans it was the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious church leaders that didn't know how to accept salvation because it ruined their control and their financial income and it messed with their power. And so that they didn't like that because Jesus always messes with your power because he's the only one that has power in his hands. He gets to delegate the power. We don't get to choose that. He chooses that, right? And so they're the ones that kill him. And he becomes part of this sect because that's what he knew. And he was so passionate and so zealous about it that the, all the Christians after Jesus rose and left were scared of him because he was going from town to town literally killing Christians. Anybody that would follow Jesus, he killed them if they were a Jew. And so on his road to Damascus, we know the story, he gets a, 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 an epiphany, literally, a theophany is what it's called, a theophany. Jesus shows up to Paul. And blinds him and he says, Paul, I've called you to be my vessel. I've called you to be my vessel. Who are you? I am Jesus. I've called you to be my vessel. And so he goes to the next town and he's blind. And he's blind for a few days. And then one of this other disciple, Ananias, I think is his name. I think it's in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. You can look at it. And, and God comes and shows up for Ananias to Ananias. And he tells him, hey. Okay, you need to go over here 
and Paul's going to be over here. Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus is going to be over here. And he's like, whoa, that brother's killing us. He's going to kill me if I go over there. And God tells him straight, I chose him to be my vessel to bear my name. And through obedience, God does a miracle through Ananias. He goes up to Paul, lays hands on Paul. Scales fall from Paul's eyes. He can not only see, but the miracle is in this. He is baptized with the Holy Spirit in that moment. That may not seem like a miracle to you because we take for granted the fact that Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and with power. But it's a miracle that it happened for Paul because Paul was so dedicated and zealous about the things of the Jewish faith that he was not going to, willing to allow anybody to follow this mistruth, this misguided truth that turns out to be the truth. You want to know why God did all that? You can read so much more about Paul's life. You want to know why God did that? Because he set it up that way. He set it up just like that. Because everybody's story matters. Because it's in the story that you find the miracles. It's in the story that you find the testimony. It's in the story that you find the power. I look across this sanctuary and I see a bunch of stories sitting in chairs. If you got the opportunity to stand up and share your testimony, you might need a bag over your head just because you're embarrassed of some of the things you did, some of the things you've been through. But let me tell you something. Just because it happened to you, just because you did it, they might have meant it for evil, but God meant it for good because God did extraordinary miracles through Paul through Eve it was Eve who ate the snakes uh, food she's the one who ate the fruit but she's the mother of all kind it's David that's a man after God's own heart but he's an adulterer a murderer and he makes mistakes left and right it's Solomon that God chooses to build his temple and make the wisest man on earth and he has a problem with women I can't get no help up in this church because what I'm trying to say is it don't matter what you've been through don't matter what you did your story matters your story matters your story matters what you're going through right now matters it takes a minute it takes a minute we get discouraged because the miracle didn't come to pass the power didn't manifest itself we didn't get set free yet but you need to hold tight you don't know that God ain't fixing everything just right story matters the story matters the story matters and so then then God so God uses the worst most assuming candidates to do his works God uses the worst most unassuming candidates to do his work I said this last week I'll say it again God grooms greatness in the fields of obscurity that's what he does He hides his best over in corners. He hides his best out in fields shepherding sheep while others are battling on battlefields in war. I don't know about you, but I was in a hole somewhere. God had me hidden in... in, 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 
few just knew my story. I ain't got time to do that. God did extraordinary works through Paul. God did. God did. God did. We must, in all of this, we must never lose sight of the fact that God did it. God did it. It, Never forget, no matter how great or how small the miracle is, it's always God who performed it. It's not your faith. It's not your prayer life. It's not your power. It's not your acclaim. It's not your status. It's not your friends. It's not because you're his favorite. It's because he decided to do it. God did it. God did it. Knowing that God did it produces an expectation and a hope that you can stand on. Because if you know God did it and you know how weak you are, you know there's still hope. You know there's still hope because why? Because God did it. God did it. God did extraordinary. I love that the Bible uses the word extraordinary. Woo! like that word. like that word. Extra ordinary. I like it. Ordinary. Usual. Normal. Plain. The same. Ordinary. But God did he did extra. I like it. I like it. The kids say, oh, you're being extra. You're being extra because you're being a little dramatic. Like, what is it, OD? OD. You're overdoing it, Dad. You're OD. You're extra. Let me tell you something. If they can be extra... You best believe I'm going to be extra. Because I don't know what you think, and I may step on some toes, and if I do, I'm not sorry. If you say a woman's a man and a man's a woman, you extra. You extra. That's what you if you're more committed to your political party than the kingdom of God, you extra, sweetheart. You're extra. If you can't worship in this church because there's black people and brown people and white people and Asian people, then you extra. You extra, sweetheart. You extra. If they can be extra, you better believe I'm going to be extra. Because the God I serve ain't never done nothing but extra. He never did none but extra. None but extra. I don't know about you, but I remember David praying when he poured into my cup, my cup overflows. It overflows. You know why? Because he's a God of overflow. When I walk in his ways and bring in my, the, uh, my, the first fruits of my increase, my barns overflow. My vats burst forth. When I'm in covenant with my tithes with the Lord, I can't help it. He pours out blessings. There's not room enough to receive it. 
There's not room enough. Because when God does a thing, he does it extra. Extra, extra. Read all about it. You get in the Word, you'll find a God of extra. He's extra. So when he, it's not enough that he's going to feed 5,000 people with, actually it's 10, 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. He feeds them till they're full. And if they had teenagers or 20-year-olds like that young man right there, and you had to feed them till they're full, that's a lot. He did that with five fish, I mean five bread and two fish. And had extra 12 baskets of extra left over. Why? Because my God is a God of He's extra. He's extra. He's extra. He's extra. He's extra. He's extra. God did extraordinary miracles. Miracles. Sit down. We didn't preach last week. We just kind of talked a little bit. Ordinary says maintain. Extraordinary screams push to the extreme. So, we know who he uses. He uses people like you and me. People that got overlooked. People like that young man that had the five loaves and the two fish. There were 5,000 men not counting women and children. So that young man didn't count. But God used the one that didn't count to bring the miracle. I know how that feels. I know how that feels. Because sometimes he'll put your not enough in the hands of a not count to produce more than enough and bring about a miracle. Because God uses people like you and me. And he performs it with power because he's extra. Now, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Now, it's not a miracle unless it's impossible. God doesn't make the impossible possible. He makes the impossible happen. That's a miracle. He doesn't change things up to make the impossible possible. He makes impossible things happen. Before he does the extraordinary through you, because if I read that right, it said God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Before he did extraordinary miracles through you. He has to get extraordinary miracles to you. <laughs> the part about a miracle 
that is hard is that sometimes, or, or not sometimes, most times, we feel that miracle, if it's a miracle, should happen right now. But the power that God releases to perform a miracle doesn't always happen right now. When God releases power, it's the result of obedient people. Oh, oh. now we ain't going to shout. <laughs> this may not be the shouting point. Maybe I should have reversed the message and talked about this first. But this is where I wanted us to get because the title of the message is The Extraordinary Work. Hmm. Hmm. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. The distinction of those who received the power is their obedience. In Acts chapter 9, when Paul had that experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus, Jesus gave him an instruction, and he followed the instruction. He gave Ananias an instruction, and Ananias followed the instruction. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, and there's flaming tongues of fire, and they come stumbling out the room, and 3,000 get added to the church, before that happened, Jesus gave them an instruction. Go and wait. And that's the hard part. Because we feel God's miracles should show up right now. Your obedience to God's word is the expression of faith that God is looking for. Your obedience to God's word is the expression of faith that God is looking for. So if he says wait, wait. If he says go, if he says leave, if he says do, whatever he says, obey that word. And the power of God will be released to you. All right. Let's, let's finish this up. So God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. I love it. And what's really cool is the Bible goes on to tell us that even his handkerchiefs and his apron that touched him, if it went to sick people, they got healed. We even had a whole movement of people sending out handkerchiefs all over the world, sending in their offerings to televangelists just to get a handkerchief because of this scripture. <laughs> I won't say that's weird. It's weird to send a televangelist money so that he sends you a handkerchief so you get healed. What's not weird is an apostle laying his hand on an object and praying God's spirit go with that object. So don't, don't take me out of context. Sorry, I had to fix that. <laughs> so God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. What's beautiful about this is that what is a handkerchief? In the Greek, the Greek word, if you look up the definition, it's simply a cloth or a linen piece of fabric that is used to wipe. It's this that I need right now to wipe the sweat from your brow. If I'm sweating from my brow and need this, I'm probably doing some work. And so the apron 
Uh, Pastor Dustin told me I should wear an apron to preach in today. I didn't follow his instruction. <laughs> the apron was a sash or a garment that was worn to do one's work or occupation. It was almost a uniform. They knew if you had that apron on, you was going to work. Specifically for Paul, it was tent making. So they knew if they could just get one of his cloths that had touched the sweat of his brow, which is the perspiration from the work he's exerting or his apron that represented his occupation, they knew they could be healed. I started this off by saying faith is connected to miracles because faith without is dead. We don't get to see the miracles unless we have the faith to see them. In order to have faith, there has to be associated with it. My question is, people of God, when are we going to get to work? God wants to do a miracle in your life. God wants to bring prosperity to you. To the point that it's overflowing because he wants you to be blessed to be a blessing. He wants you to stand out from all the people on your job. With so much production, it ain't even, it, ain't, it is stupid how much production you're pumping out at your workplace because God is at work in it. God wants you to stand out in your family while everybody else is an alcoholic and a drug addict, but somehow you're living clean and you're living free and you're living full of joy and you're able to be in their presence and not deal with what they're dealing with because you, God has done an extraordinary work in you. He wants these things to happen, but he's waiting for you to get to work. The King James version of this same scripture says that God did extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. Hands of Paul. Through the hands. Hands always are, 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 are significant in scripture. They represent production and purpose. You've heard uh, the term, are you consecrated? Right? What that literally means, consecration, we think, is emptying our hands of something. And it's actually the opposite. Consecration is filling your hands with purpose. That's what consecration is. When we are consecrated and our hands are full of purpose, then God can do something with it. He knew he could count on Paul to do an extraordinary work. Paul forsook everything. He argued with the Pharisees and Sadducees. He argued with the other apostles that said only, only people that get circumcised could actually be saved. And he said, no, they don't need that. That's not the grace of Jesus Christ. They don't need that. He was willing to fight anything. He was willing to step up to anything. He was willing to travel from town to town. He was willing to put everything he had in it. Even in prison, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Why? Because he was willing to do the work. God does his extraordinary works through the hands of extraordinary people. You're extraordinary. You're not ordinary. You're not normal. Stop fighting for a normal life. Stop fighting for a comfortable life. Stop fighting to have things easy. God never said life would be easy. He said his yoke would be easy and his burden light, but it doesn't change the fact that it's a yoke which represents you got some work 
to do. When Jesus performs a miracle for 5,000, he puts the power of that miracle in the hands of his disciples to take it to the people. We want to see revival. We want to see reformation. We want to see a revolution back toward Jesus and towards the greatness that is his love and his salvation. That doesn't happen because we have megachurch pastors that can do cool things on social media. That doesn't happen because we have good pastors that preach the word. Thank God for them. That happens because the people of God start carrying around the extraordinary work of God. You want to know what that word miracles was in the Greek in this passage of Scripture? God did extraordinary works, miracles, through the hands of Paul. It's dunamis. It's dunamis. It's the same word that's used in Acts chapter 2 when the Bible says in the Holy Spirit and they received power after the Holy Spirit came upon them. God releases extraordinary power through his people. That's not even the subject of this whole passage. The subject of the passage was that Paul was raising disciples. That's the subject of the whole passage. This is a side note. Somebody had to carry that handkerchief to somebody. Somebody had to take that apron to somebody. <laughs> the subject was the disciples because that's what Jesus' command was. Go and make disciples. This is a word that's for everybody. This morning. Stand to your feet this morning. I went long. Son of a gun. Lift your hands right here. We're going to do an altar call right where you're sitting. I don't want to let out too late. Just begin to pray right now. And if you have the if you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, just begin to pray in the spirit for a minute. God, I pray for those right now that are looking at a situation that is impossible. I pray for those that are looking at a financial situation that is impossible. I pray for those that are looking at a, a, a depression that seems insurmountable. I'm praying for those right now that are dealing with a relationship issue that seems impossible. I'm praying for the person right now that is facing a family problem that looks impossible. And I thank you, even now, that through them, you're going to do extraordinary miracles in Jesus' name. God, I pray right now for the person that thinks they're overlooked, discounted, shoved away. God, I pray that you just remind them that their story matters. Their story matters. What they're going through is not because the devil sent it their way. It's because God meant it for their good. God, we thank you that you're extra. We thank you that you're extraordinary. We thank you that you're extra and you're going to send overflow our way. Blessings there's not room enough to receive. God, we thank you for overflow and abundance coming to our lives. And finally,
God, I pray for your saints this morning. You said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I pray you mobilize Quest Church into a group of workers, a group of laborers for the kingdom of God that are willing to do the work to get your extraordinary miracles into the hands of people. And we thank you for it even right now. We thank you for it even right now. Can you begin to bless the Lord? Can you begin to just give him some praise this morning? Come on, don't patty cake God. Really, really give him some kind of praise. You may not have needed somebody, but somebody on your road did. Hallelujah. 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 What we're going to do is this. Our praise team is going to worship for just a few minutes. And our, 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 our prayer ministry people, you know who you are. I'm going to ask you to come to the front when we dismiss here in a moment. And if you need prayer about anything in your life, if you've never met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I challenge you to come down to the front. And our prayer people are going to agree with you in prayer for extraordinary things. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to leave you with this. And then we'll go. Join us Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for our team rally. Join us Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for our team rally. Did you preach this whole message just so we would come to that? No, I did not. But it's a good opportunity to invite you to come. Here's why. Because if you can get your hands on the ministry here, and you can do something here in this house, God will do something for your house. Some of you are searching for purpose. Some of you are searching for your why. Some of you are searching for breakthrough in your family and in your life. And I promise you something. And the reason I can promise you this is because it happened for me. And it happened for so many different people I know. If you'll just get involved in God's work, God will begin to open up your work to you. I've seen people become millionaires, successful business owners, people that impact the kingdom in a significant way just because they did something as simple as decide to come up and help in the children's ministry or help in the porter ministry. So join us this Saturday at 9 a.m. Let's pray before we leave. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I pray that it challenged somebody this morning. I pray that somebody leaves different.